0: Let's get back to the uh, Greenbelt scandal. And I know some people are saying, "Okay, well, he reversed course. Shut up about it. But you can't blame opposition members and people who always thought this was a bad idea for taking a bit of a victory lap. And that I imagine would include Green Party leader Mike Schreiner, who joins us now. Mike Schreiner, nice to have you.
1: Hey, good morning, John. Always happy to be on.
0: All right. So are you guys making too much hay out of the fact that the Premier had to climb down?
1: Not at all. I mean, this is really a victory for the people of Ontario. I'm proud to say Ontario Green stood shoulder to shoulder with the thousands of people across the province who were demanding that the Premier keep his promise not to open the Greenbelt for development. But it's really the people's victory. And um, now comes the point where... You know, we have to hold this premier accountable. How did such a corrupt decision flow from this corrupt process that was directed by a handful of elite Ford-connected developers so they could cash in $8.3 billion? How could this actually happen? And that's why I have been calling for, continue to call for an independent public inquiry, because the people of Ontario deserve honest answers, and we need to make sure something like this never happens again.
0: Can we simultaneously do this forensic analysis on how everything came undone and get on with the business of building houses at the same time?
1: Absolutely, John. I mean, what's so infuriating about this eight point three billion dollar scandal is is that every expert, including the Auditor General, has clearly stated there's already enough land approved for development to not only build 1.5 million homes that we all agree on, but to actually build 2 million homes. So instead of having a premier focused on building homes that ordinary Ontarians can afford in the communities they want to live in on the land already approved for development, He's wasted so much time and energy and focus on opening the Greenbelt for development. So a handful of wealthy elite speculators can cash in $8.3 billion. So let's get focused on actually building homes people can afford on land already approved for development.
0: Okay, so setting aside the whole Greenbelt thing then, um, something that perplexes me in this effort to build houses is that a lot of developers have gone cold on actually proceeding with developing housing, to the point where federal and provincial governments may have to actually pay them to do it. Yeah, it's tough out there with the uh, interest rate environment and
1: labor shortages. One of the things I've been proposing, John, and I have two bills on the order paper right now that would make it easier uh, to build multiplexes, four-story walk-up apartments, six to 11-story apartment buildings by getting rid of the zoning rules that make that illegal in many places. This is a quick and easy way we can actually increase housing supply uh, more affordably on land that's already serviced, like they're servicing there. So there are tools, I've been putting them forward, where we can address this crisis in a quick, affordable way.
0: Thank you, sir. Thank you, John. Mike Schreiner is the leader of the Ontario Green Party. This
2: is More in the Morning. I want the people of Ontario to know I'm listening. I made a promise to you that I wouldn't touch the green belt. I broke that promise. And for that, I'm very, very sorry. What I gotta do to make you care. I pride myself on keeping our promises.
0: What do I do
1: when lightning
0: strikes me?
2: I'm very, very sorry. sorry.
0: Seems to be the hardest word. A little uh, creative treatment by Nick Marano of our uh, premier's statement yesterday. At the very least, I mean, you know. I've always had this maxim, as you know, that don't criticize somebody reflexively when they do what you want done. And so I I have praise for Doug Ford, not for him having opened the green belt in the first place, but for him recognizing that he was in a dead end and he had to reverse course because he could have just kept plowing ahead. He just could have kept arguing all the same arguments about why this should happen. And maybe he would have persuaded more people. But he reached an untenable juncture where he actually just had to say, "Okay, we're going to put all the land back in. And this kind of vouchsafes that. And he said in so many words, he's not going to touch anything in the green belt anymore. Um, It sort of makes it radioactive in the future, that nobody's going to touch the green belt. Uh, Joining me right now, Ontario NDP leader and leader of the opposition, Merritt Stiles. Good morning.
3: Good morning. Great to be here.
0: All right. So you put out a statement uh, not long ago saying Ford's government is incomplete and under utter disarray. It informs your statement that, as we learned this morning, one of his chief cabinet ministers is walking away from politics, Monty McNaughton.
3: Uh-huh. Yeah, that's the third cabinet minister to step down. I mean, this this now he's actually leaving his seat. I think um, in in three weeks. So I I mean I I think this is pretty unprecedented. Uh, certainly, the first two uh, resigned in the middle of you know scandals. Uh, we don't know a lot about why Mister McNaughton is is stepping down, but of course we all know uh, there will be talk. I, I don't. I'm not going to speculate at all. Um, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that we are in um, in a bit of a of a of a of a downward spiral for this government right now, and uh, I certainly every moment, every minute, something seems to change. So I'm having as much trouble as anybody else keeping up. But I will say that um, you know it doesn't it doesn't change things in terms of you know the win, as you said, for people who opposed uh, the Greenbelt Swap, and I think for all Ontarians, because I think. Uh, we really need that vital farmland uh, and that important, uh, those important ecosystems.
0: Okay, maybe this is kind of an oddball question, uh, because I realize it's your job, but is the opposition perhaps enjoying this a bit too much?
3: Well, you know, I I would say no. Look, I mean, when I go around province, you and I have talked about this before, people are really struggling. I mean, they are really struggling. I talk to people every day, you know, who are struggling to Find a place to rent, uh, who can't pay their mortgage, who are struggling because their jobs no longer pay enough that they can afford groceries. I mean, people, a lot of people are on the edge. And I think our government and our healthcare and education systems are really hurting right now. So, no, it's bad news for everybody. There's no question. And I don't take any enjoyment in that. I mean, I will not, I will say I raised a glass last night to the fact that we got the green belt restored because that is a big win for Ontarians. But it, it's, you know, in the midst of the chaos that we see around this government. I mean, it's bad news. It's bad news for Ontarians.
0: Okay. So a question I always ask is, what's the fix? I mean, we've just spent eight months having this debate. Now we've closed that file. We haven't built a single house, have we?
3: Well, that's a good question. We've had five years at this government and this housing crisis, despite, you know, uh, Mr. Ford saying that he kind of woke up in in after the last election and realized there was a housing crisis, it's been uh, it's been underway for quite some time, and so uh, yeah, it's really bad. In five years, it's gotten a lot worse. And the I don't believe, and you and I have talked about this, that the greenbelt uh, land swap was ever about uh, about building housing. It was a calculated uh, move by the government to reward a few of their of you know very connected insiders. Uh, Speculators who are going to make more than eight billion dollars off of that deal, and and so I never thought it was ever about building housing, and certainly not the kind of housing people need. Not you know, it was if anything, luxury sprawl. So we are way behind the eight ball, and the government's uh, approach to this has not been helpful. Uh, it's taken up a ton of time, it's wasted a lot of opportunities. And I know, talking to organizations and municipalities and people all around the province, that there's a lot of frustration that the government, while they were obsessed with this, wasn't actually working with with them as partners to build the kind of housing we need.
0: Thank you for this. Good to have you.
3: Nice to see it. Talk to you. Thanks. Bye.
0: And Ontario NDP leader, Marit Stiles. I actually think that Doug Ford's some people would call it flip-flopping, but Doug Ford's ability to change course is an asset rather than a liability. And so I was absolutely astonished, though, yesterday. I mean, I know in the first um, months and even perhaps in the first years, I mean, I've talked about there being two Doug Fords. There was the guy who arrived in office who wanted to willy-nilly undo anything the Liberals had done, just almost as a means of punishing them, and then also trying to punish the people he left behind at Toronto City Hall. And then all of a sudden we got this new Doug Ford, who was more deliberative, uh, less likely to lash out, didn't mock reporters in public, and uh, people were generally satisfied. Then we got to the whole Greenbelt issue, and now he's reversed himself on that. What a lot of activists on other files are wondering is whether or not he's damaged goods and he's gonna start reversing course on all kinds of things that may not be popular. One of those things that people have been campaigning against is the creation of the 413th, and this has greenbelt implications. It goes through aquifers, it goes through areas where they have rare flora and fauna, And the Gideon uh, or Gideon Foreman, who's a climate change and transportation analyst at the David Suzuki Foundation, has been on our show before to talk about why the David Suzuki Foundation and other environmentalists are opposed to this. Now they're wondering, okay. yesterday afternoon, Doug Ford climbed down from one major project. Maybe he'll climb down from another. Gideon Foreman joins me. Good morning. Good morning, John. All right. I mean, do you do you think this changes the chessboard as concerns this issue, the four
2: thirteen? I think it's an amazingly exciting opportunity we have now. I mean, this was a huge victory for people power, John, you know, reversing on the on the green belt withdrawals. And I'm very excited at the possibility of us making, and I say us, I mean the people of Ontario, not just environmentalists. The possibility of us making some other gains to protect the natural world and local farmland. So, uh, yeah, I think a lot of possibilities opened up yesterday afternoon. Now,
0: the argument Doug Ford made about the green belt and the argument his supporters continue to make is we need housing. So you can't stand in the way of the need for housing. Uh, People will argue about the 413. We need to get around.
2: Yeah, we do need to get around, but there's smart ways to get around and there's foolish ways to get around. I mean, so first of all, let's make better use of the highways we already have. One of the things we've talked about and lots of folks talk about is the underutilized 407. We already have that highway sitting there. Everyone admits it's, you know, you can practically land a plane on it because it's underused. Let's make better use of that.
0: Okay, let's get a those pause trucks for a second. How off would, 401. Put, how would we do that? Sorry. I mean, would that be the government subsidizing people and money going to a private company just so we can put people on the 407?
2: Possibility, I mean, I don't like particularly the idea of subsidizing, but it is important to get those trucks off 401. I mean, there's nothing that terrifies individual motorists on 401 like those transport trucks. Let's get a bunch of those off 401, put them on 407. Yeah, we might need to subsidize the tolls to some extent. Uh, it'd still be a fraction of the cost of what we're hearing to build a whole new highway. I mean, you know, John, we don't know what 413 is going to cost. We've heard $8 billion or more. For a fraction of that, we could get the trucks off 401 and put them on 407.
0: Okay. What other uh, opportunities would we uh, take a look at?
2: Well, I mean, you know, just protecting all of that land, uh, if we don't go ahead with 413. I mean, 413 will pave thousands of acres. I've heard estimates up to 2,000 acres of top farmland. We just don't have that much top farmland left in southern Ontario. The idea that we would pave it uh, for an unnecessary highway that might save drivers 30 seconds or 60 seconds is crazy. I mean, we're losing hundreds of acres of farmland every day in the province. The idea that we would do more of that when we don't have to, it just beggars belief. The other thing is we need to move more people in public transit. You know, uh, research has been done, and for less than the cost of uh, Highway 413, we could put on a whole lot of public transit, new go trains, bus rapid transit, light rail, that would move a whole lot more people. The estimates I've seen suggest we could move three times more people with public transit than with Highway 413. So in addition to everything else, 413 is just not a good use of taxpayers' dollars. Thanks for this. Good to have you.
0: Pleasure. Thank you, John. Gideon Foreman is a climate change and transportation policy analyst at the David Suzuki Foundation.